This is a shock podcast. Shock. Due to the discussions of murder, sexual activities and assault, listener discretion is advised, especially those under 13. The world is full of dangers and mysteries. Among them are the notorious serial killers who have terrorized and fascinated people for decades. How did they commit their crimes? How were they caught? But most importantly, what were their motives? Ah! Can You Solve It is a podcast that talks about notorious serial killers. This is Irdina Ishaq, your host for the series. Each week, you will join me in sharing stories of global cases that had happened, not to encourage murder, but to discuss ways on how it could have been better or much even prevented the murder. It's another day at the studio. Welcome back. I'm Irdina Isha, and in today's episode, we will discuss on Yoo Young Chol, a notorious serial killer from South Korea. As usual, is Win. Be my guest. Let the world know you are here. Yes. Hello, everyone. This is Is Win. I'm back. Okay. Now, this is Can You Solve It? Be sure to tune in and see if you can guess the killer's motives right. Now, first, we will go through the background, then understand how Yoo Young Chol committed the murders, followed by how he was caught, and finally to uncover the motives behind the killings. Let's start. Imagine being inspired to kill people from reading an article based off another serial killer's tactics because this was what had happened to Yoo Young Chol also known as the Raincoat Killer who is South Korea's deadliest serial murderer Yoo Young Chol born on 18th April 1970 is a sex offender and a self-confessed cannibal other than being a notorious serial killer and growing up he had a tough childhood his family was not well off financially his parents divorced and then he had to stay with the father because in the country it's the father who would tend to keep the children after separation and later his father soon remarried but having a stepmom wasn't exactly the best combo because the thing is his father was abusive and an alcoholic while his stepmom was just as violent and then at the age of 16 his father was hit by a truck driver and died in short you didn't have it easy you young chol when i'm referring to you it's you young chol he didn't have it easy life was always a struggle and this shows when he had always had a complicated relationship with the authorities from being caught at the early age of 19 and was sent to juvenile for trespassing at night then sentenced to 10 months in prison for stealing 230,000 won and a neighbor's guitar to eventually being sentenced to 3 years and 6 months for impersonating a minor and raping a teenage girl in a car and that wasn't even all the things that he did that were mentioned there along with impersonating a public officer I mean, you get the picture. He did a lot of crimes. Yeah, and he liked to pretend like he's someone else. Yeah, yeah. Also, in the year 1993, you had gotten married and had a son in 1994. But after being charged with the rape of an underage kid, his wife, of course, then divorced him. And that had marked the end of him living a normal life as he started committing his first murder three weeks after being released from prison in 2003. Now, how did he commit his murders? 
Remember how I mentioned earlier of all those times he spent in jail? It, it was a long period, wasn't it? And unlike those who took the time to repent and reflect on their mistakes, he utilized that time for revenge. So from whatever reading materials that the prisoners were able to receive, he drew inspiration from another serial killer's method of murder. And soon after he was released, he practiced his skills on killing dogs before moving on to kill human beings. Oh, it's always like that though with serial killers. Yeah. Don't know if you know that. Yeah, not sure with the others because they tend to just simply kill other people. But this one, he really practiced beforehand. Oh, okay, well, not practice, but I remember Ted Bundy and also actually Dennis Nelson used to kill animals Ooh, when I- he was younger. So if you guys ever kill animals when you're younger, you need to be um you need to check what's up. Okay. Anyway, his first murder was at Sinsadong in Seoul on 24th September 2003. It was a two-story house near Somong Church, Somong Church, and the victims were a professor aged 73 and his wife was aged 69. Other than stabbing the victims with a knife, his signature killer move was by hammering his victims literally to the point that their skulls were badly dented and the police who came to investigate the crime scene noted that no money was taken. Mm. It's a bit suspicious like why would you do that when you didn't even want the money? So it was solely to take the person's lives and due to how brutal the bodies were found up to the point that their brains splattered into pieces police initially thought it was a personal murder meaning that it must have been done by someone who knew the victims personally either done by relatives or close friends when in reality it was none of that so you went on to his second break-in at Gugidong on 9th October 2003 which was a house nearby Yongguang Church taking the lives of three people then to his third at Samsungdong on 16th October 2003 a house near nearby Happy Church. If you notice this pattern, yeah. like these housing areas, they that would always be a church nearby. Yeah, they're always near a church. Yeah, so just keep that in mind. Oh, That might be something. Spicy. Yeah, okay. So on his third break-in, he took the life of a 60-year-old woman and all the bodies in those cases were found with their skulls fractured. And though shoe print evidence was identified, the police was very slow to act and they were still indecisive of identifying if this was in Indeed, an act of a serial killer. Mm. They're unprofessional in that sense. Okay. So, so the last house was at Hewa Dong on 18th November 2003, which was near to a Hewa Cathedral. With the last house attack, different than his previous ones, this time he actually lit up a fire after stabbing and hammering the victims just so he could cover up his DNA because he lit them on fire? He lit them on fire. He actually wanted to burn the house down because he had cut himself which caused him to bleed. Like in the process there was an incident that happened and his blood was dripping. So he wanted to cover up his DNA and the only thing that could cover up that track was by burning the house down. Mm. That way the police couldn't trace yeah. his blood. Actually, the thing that made him bleed was that he tried to make it as it, he tried to make it seem like it was a robbery attempt, so that the police wouldn't think that this is indeed done by a serial killer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, however, this time around, the police managed to catch a CCTV footage of his back, and in that CCTV was a sight of him wearing the victim's clothes mm. to cover up his body that was covered in blood. 
And with that information in hand, the police decided to make it viral, hoping to scare the serial killer from doing more. I think I remember that picture. I think that's all over the place. Yeah, it was. And he did actually remain quiet. Mm. You'd think the murders would stop there. But unfortunately, you went on to kill at least 11 more. 11 more? 11 more. Wow. But this time around... Even when the police is like on onto him. Yeah. But this time around, he changed his modus operandi. Oh. Because this time, his victims were women. Mm. And they were all sex workers. Mm. And I know that sex workers, they are... People often think of them negatively, right? I still don't think any of them deserved what was done unto them. None of them did. Yeah. Because you see, Yu's obsession with killing people only became stronger, resulting in more frequent deaths in a short period of time. From killing once in a month, to killing once in two weeks, to killing another in a week. Mm. And it was like he was addicted. And the worst, the worst part is that not only did he hammer the victim's heads as usual, but with these women, he went on to add a bit of a twist. So after calling his victims to his apartment because they were sex workers, it would always be one at a time by the way. So after having slept with them when they were getting oh, ready. Wait, what? He would sleep with them first? Yeah, he would oh, sleep with God. them first. He would. And then he would he would be all nice first. Yeah. yeah, he would he would treat them right. But then when they were getting ready in the bathroom so they could leave, that was the moment he would strike them dead. And he even called his toilet door the threshold of life and death. He liked the idea of being in control, of being in power, of taking Taking another person's lives. And that's what he called his bathroom door. And he would tie up their hair right before hammering them to death. And then guess what he did? With axes, knives and scissors, he would mutilate their bodies into smaller parts. Because you see, he was living in a flat. So he had to get rid of their bodies in order to not get caught. Mm -hmm. So to hide his victim's identity... He then tore off their fingerprints Ooh. and stuffed their remains into a garbage bag, which he buried on a mountain near Bongwon Temple. And in fact, sometimes he would even eat parts of his victims. Oh, yeah. this cannibal. Uh, yes, as he believed that this would help him cleanse his spirit. His twisted. The murder of these women was so cruel that one of the female police officers stated that once Yu was caught, they went up to his flat to collect more evidence to prove Mm -hmm. his crimes. And although his flat was spotless, like the bathroom was clean, they used this spray where even if blood was clean from the surface, but with that chemical, that spray that they're using, they'd be able to trace all the blood in its original spot. Mm -hmm. And guess where the traces of blood were? Bathroom. Uh, The bathroom, but like where? At the bathroom, where? Bathtub. Okay, the thing is, the blood was literally everywhere uh, like they were all the way from the floor the up ceiling? to the ceiling on wow. top how is that because, how it, because he, he, he struck them really hard yeah. how do you even clean yeah crazy oh. right no, maybe mean, maybe he used like a spray yeah or just a ladder yeah he's, he's crazy and if you were there I mean I could never imagine myself being that police officer but surely no word no word could describe how cruel you was yeah because obviously he struck them to death without a feeling of guilt mm-hmm. so one can only wish that this criminal would be sentenced for all the wrongs that he had committed including by the way the death of a shopkeeper who was stabbed multiple times in the face then his wrists were cut and thrown away and his body was burnt to death in a van that burned a And you want to know why he did that to this person? Yes, I want to know. Okay, see, the thing is, uh, you, 
he liked to impersonate police officer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He liked to fake his identity. So he would usually uh, try to take people's money when he became that person he claimed to be. But this shopkeeper, he began to suspect that perhaps you wasn't actually a police officer. So he was like, are you really a police officer? And that's the moment you thought like, oh, he's in trouble. Mm. I need to get rid of this person. Yeah, to that extent. Eh? To that extent. He stabbed the person's face multiple times that the wife couldn't even recognize her husband. husband yeah. And it, it was so sad, it was so tragic that the person's siblings, by the way, they're his brothers, they even took their own lives. Oh, because no. it, it was so traumatizing. traumatizing. I mean, they couldn't cope the death of their brother. Yeah. I don't think anyone would want to experience that ever. No. The question here is, how was he caught? Yeah, I was actually thinking, Dina, share. Okay, when the sex workers started going missing one by one, a cartel brothel decided to contact one of the police officers he personally knew. Because the thing is, that was this corruption in South Korea. This was illegal. The prostitution was all illegal. Yeah. But they would still operate. And it happened because some of the policemen were corrupted. Mm. So they received money from these people to let them operate the business mm-hmm. and then one of the cartel owners he used to be a police officer Ah, so that's why he, money. he uh, that's why he contacted the police officers that he personally knew because he uh. used to work with them so he only informed the police after having received a phone call from the same number of his sex worker that went missing mm. And it was used desperate calls that had led to his own undoing. Police was finally able to capture him on a fateful night after you made another call to meet up with a sex worker. Mm. And he was described as strong, good-looking and also hot-headed. Mm. But unfortunately, when he was in custody, he managed to escape due to a oh, miscommunication. Right. Mm, between the police so at the time their management was horrible absolutely terrible hence a lot of slip-ups errors indecisiveness leading to poor judgement like it took them a long time to catch him mm-hmm. and even them to catch him it wasn't even the police officers who noticed who were missing if it weren't for the cartel brothel they would yeah. never get him so even then when Yu was captured most of the policemen thought he was not the killer because of his good looks like he didn't have any scars he didn't have any tattoos so the police were like ah we must have got the wrong guy yeah so when he was on the loose like he escaped that was the moment that they finally realized oh that just might be the serial killer yeah yeah and then with a bit of luck he was finally caught again but this time for good and in december 2004 yu yong chol was convicted of 20 murders and sentenced to death but today he still remains in prison Mm mm-hmm he didn't get the oh so wait sentence oh yeah sentence to death okay sentence to death but not yet yeah these uh, things take time it takes forever for them to get there yeah because I I heard that once someone was appointed to be a leader in that country they tried to like uh, postpone uh, postpone this thing you always do that I think um, I think Malaysia is most probably was the only one was like they do it quite quick but it's like countries like the UK and the US and in this case Seoul too yeah it's, yeah. Not, it's not easy for them to execute these individuals the reason Yu Yong Chol is called the raincoat killer is because he would always wear a yellow raincoat when he was showing the police where he hid his victims' bodies. Now we've come to this question. What exactly were his motives? And I wonder if the person who's listening right now could guess it correctly because I did mention a few focal points in the story and it had everything to do with Yu Yong Chol's background. Okay, ne- let's not wait any longer because his crimes were directed to the wealthy mm-hmm. and it was nearby the church. Yeah, I was, uh, I was like, oh, I want to know about this church. Yeah, look. So- 
it, it meant that they also had a bit of a religious element, mm. and he had resentment towards women who were sex workers. So this, this were his motives. The the thing about you is that oh, do you think it's he thinks it's wrong to be like in that industry? Yes. Well, is it jealousy? Do you think it's jealousy that other people are, like richer? Yeah, mm. it can, yeah, it can stem it can stem from jealousy because he had a rough childhood. childhood. Yeah, yeah. So the thing about you is that he really absolutely hated the wealthy because he grew up poor, and so he hated the fact that he couldn't get what those rich people had. It definitely was an act of revenge mm-hmm. on him not having enough, and on top of that, he was bullied in school for being poor. So one could only imagine the pain he had suffered as a child, other than being abused by his dad. Mm-hmm. So it was all a bad memory, and he just, you know, why, why would I have to suffer this? Why, why are you all still living alive? And they had beautiful gardens, by the way, and he hated the sight of it. Yeah. So that's why all those people that they killed, that he killed, they had beautiful gardens at his at their houses. Very specific. Hmm. And then, of course, you notice because we just mentioned that the housing areas were almost nearby a church. Because the thing is, when he was convicted several times at an early age, from the age of 19, and he was sent to prison, being a former religious person who believed that God would save him, the act of him being cast aside as a prisoner made him lose his faith. Like he thought God would save him. Like okay, you know what? Maybe I won't be sentenced to prison. No, maybe maybe I won't get that. But he did. Mm-hmm. So the way. He acted up by killing those people living in that area was actually a statement that wanted to like really show no, God could not save you. Yeah, And he just he, he was a really religious person before. Yeah, okay, very twisted to say to turn it to God. Kind of like why would you believe in a religion because that won't save you? And and finally, he also murdered those sex workers as a message to supposedly say that women shouldn't offer their bodies. Uh, yeah, just simply like that. But really, he actually murdered those women because he was revengeful towards his ex-wife. But he couldn't bear the thought of killing her after. Seeing their son, then after a failed relationship with his ex-girlfriend, who also worked in the industry, mm. sort of, he then sought revenge by murdering these women. So now, to up to our discussion, Iswin. So after having revealed all that, what were the flaws in the story? I would say don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, definitely true. It's also the same case as like Ted Bundy, where like oh he looks very good looking, and people always just like um fall for him. Mm. So maybe the police could have maybe not doubt him, his and his capabilities, but then at the same time he. He didn't really give them a chance to get caught. Like, if that makes sense. If that makes sense, he would try his best to remove all evidence to the best of his abilities. You know what? And it's South Korea, and this is early 2000s. I I think there's still a lot of um, stigma around sex workers. I'm not sure, but I feel like the wealthy ones, yes, they must have taken it seriously, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and then that's why it's like, oh, they got. And then there's a CCTV recording, and he realized, oh, I need to change. Mm. Who I kill now? Um, so I think if he continued killing the wealthy, then he would have gotten caught sooner. But because he wants to keep killing, that's his desire, which is oh. a very odd thing he wants to do. It's a good point. Changed it because he knew he would get caught. But then um, I think I read somewhere that he was actually also bragging, right? That he was he killed he killed he was uh he bright like he killed so many more people. But they only charged him with twenty. If I'm not yeah, not 20. as many as many as he said that he killed, which I don't know if it's true or not. Oh, because he has a son and someone 
actually promised him this. I'm not sure if it's entirely true, but there was a rumor stating that if he actually said that he committed the murders that he did not commit, they will promise his son a bright future, like sponsorships all throughout oh. uni. So he he loved his son. His son was the only reason why, like, if he wanted to kill somebody, but he had a call from his son, that thing would stop him from murdering mm. these people. Is corruption the right word? Yeah, corruption. Yeah. It's kind of true. I mean, I don't know if you guys... I mean, I'm guessing most of the people listening to this are like a fan of true crime and mm-hmm, crime shows. Mm-hmm. I think corruption is massive. Like, it's like a plea deal where they're just like, you know, say you're guilty and then you'll get a lesser charge or you'll get something in return. But this is a different topic. Like, is that a part of perverting the course of justice? If you if you really think about it, is this trying... You're just trying to find someone to blame for a crime. Ah, Okay. Okay, I get. Right, I get a point of because you said that they offered him money and sponsorships and stuff for his kid, right? Yeah. But it's like maybe he did kill that many people, maybe he didn't. But it's like, oh, just say you're guilty, and then you'll get all of the. Did he do that? They had to take it. I have a feeling he must have taken taken it, right? Maybe if he was offered. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, yeah, but but the uh, the thing about uh, the policeman, uh, which I failed to mention earlier, is that when these cases happen, right? So they happen in different districts, in mm. different districts in Seoul. So what happened was that when another case happened, they didn't publicize that case. So the police oh, officers right, from yep. a different area, they don't know about it. They didn't know about it, and you want to know the reason why? Because if they fail to like solve the case within a period of time mm. that was given, yes. Yeah, they wouldn't be promoted and they, oh, they would no. be left a bad review and they didn't want that to happen uh-huh. to their career. So that's why they kept it hush, very secret, very oh. secretive about this. I thought, I don't know if you've, um, if anyone has ever watched the show Cop Signal mm. where... Not yet. No, had to solve a crime within like a certain period of time mm-hmm. and then um, if they didn't, then they can't charge whoever they think is their suspect. They can't charge their su- suspect under that crime because there's, there's a word for it. It exists in all over the world where there's like a period of time you need to charge someone or not like the crime is disregarded. Like they would just, uh, they don't consider it as a case anymore. It'll, be, it'll mm. become a cold case unsolved. Ah, so okay. That, but then like if you don't, if you tell people that there's a certain time limit that you need to finish, then you get like so much backlash because you don't get to finish it on time. The family, the people supporting the family would get angry because that's also like part of the law that like the law isn't really on the victim side. Okay, Yasmin, that's a long discussion. But another question is, how could we actually avoid this in today's world? We talked about policemen. Yeah. So for me, it's for, for them to be more decisive by the way because if you noticed they really had a problem deciding whether it was a serial killer doing this yeah and that was bad like why wouldn't you just start assuming the worst things right because it's it involves the lives of the citizens so why wouldn't you assume the worst from the very beginning so you could prevent bigger murders from happening what about you I think for me is that these people need to go to therapy first of all because I'm watching a show called Mask Girl which is like massive right now when we're recording this and I'm sure people have listened to this podcast have watched the show and a lot of these people that go through all these like psychological things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they want to kill or anything or they don't feel guilty is because of childhood trauma so first of all be kind to your kids yeah, like, you don't know what they're going to end up being. Teach them something good. So then in the future, they actually don't have to go through, like, a trauma you went through. Yeah. I think um, acknowledging that these twisted minds, they can always reach out for help. 
mentally because there's something wrong with them. Anyway, I think to add on top of what Izuna said is that if you had experienced a bad childhood and in the future you you become adults, right? Just be sure to be the adult that you needed when you were a child. Yeah. So anyway, the moral of the story for me, what is crucial is that for us to not become victims, it's always important to not go to a stranger's house, especially without informing anyone close yeah. to you. Because the sex workers, most of them weren't even reported missing because their families did not know about their whereabouts. Like they were sex workers. Yeah. They didn't tell their family. Yeah. How how could they? Yeah. When they were yeah. working that job as a living. So to everyone listening, never ever put yourself in a vulnerable state where you are helpless. Always, always. Take safety seriously. And a little bit of back note: you was able to break into those houses by climbing the second floor, usually from the higher ground, so you could get easy access. So the lesson here is that we should never let our guards down. Whatever doors you have at home, windows, whatever, make sure they are locked so strangers couldn't get in. That is all for now, but there will always be more. Don't miss us too much because next week you'll be listening to us again for sure. And be sure to share this on every platform you're on. Thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week.